Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, everybody. This is Joe Lynch, and welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. Today, I have an old friend of mine, Demo Perez. Uh, Say hello, Demo. Hi, Joe. Today's topic is seven reasons Panama is the Latin America supply chain capital. And Demo is just the guy to talk to about this. He's very, very knowledgeable about Panama. That's where he lives. And uh, he's, <laughs> he's the best spokesman you could ever find for Panama. So, Demo, before we get into the meat of the topic here, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and what you do down there in Panama? Thank you, Joe. Well, I, uh, my name is Demo Sanes Perez. Everybody call me Demo. I have born and raised in a small city here in Panama called Chitare, in the middle of the country. I run or I manage a um, supply chain partner company, which is a PPL we call with steroids because uh, we do a lot of things for our global customers here in Panama. And uh, my main role is to uh, promote the hub that Panama offers to the world commerce for services, for transportation, and for many other services we deliver to our um, global customers. Okay. So where did you, you grew up in what city down there? It's called Chitre. Okay. Is that one of the major cities? No, actually, no. Uh, it's a small city here in Panama, well-known. As I said, I was born and raised there. I actually studied my um, studies there on the University of Panama. I follow public administration. And uh, because at that time, I was part of a family business. And um, I was doing many things. Uh, and some part of my life, I, uh, I thought I was going to be run for a major <laughs> in, in my city. So uh, I pursue a career in public administration. But, you know, uh, life has changed very fast, and, and now um, I am here. <laughs> it, it is interesting. Back in the day, not very many people seemed planned on being in logistics. They just all got sucked into it. But what was your first job in logistics? Well, my first job, you know, it's a, it's a fun story. A relative of mine he used to have a uh, parcel company, a delivery, local delivery company, and he got a contract with this uh, big multinational for delivering parcels that, that that company was entering the Panamanian market. So he gave a contract, but suddenly he learned that in his contract, he needs to serve a different city where he was servicing, was Panama City, and he needs to serve the, uh, the Cologne Free Zone, right? So uh, he, he learned that uh, two weeks before starting the, uh, the service. So uh, he ended up calling all his friends and family just to, you know, to help him to launch this opportunity. And I was one of those guys that jumped in to support him in this, uh, in his business. So, uh, really, I came from my town and I, um, my plan was to spend two weeks working with him, uh, helping, you know, to, uh, to make all this happen, uh, in a city where I never have been before, uh, the city of Cologne. So I started, you know, delivering packages and um, the company was FedEx at the time. And um, that's why I started, uh, you know, uh, picking up a bunch of uh, parcels and, and, and envelopes and uh, making the transportation to the, uh, to the Atlantic side of Panama and start delivering, you know, and learning how to live with this. So uh, it was a very interesting experience. And it's actually what I think that made me to feel in love with this, with this industry. You started at the bottom, it sounds like. So before we get into the topic today, you work at Logistics Service Panama. Yeah. You're the general manager there. Yeah. What type of customers do you serve down there? 
Well, uh, we just serve global multinationals, typically U.S.-based companies. Our uh, services now, these days, are focused probably in two industries or three industries. We do um, fashion apparel industry, we do high-tech industry, and the engineering side of the business side, too. Yep. So let's get into this topic. Today's topic, again, seven reasons Panama is the Latin America supply chain capital with Demo. So Demo and I worked together a few years back, probably three, four, five years ago on some marketing for his uh, company. And he taught me everything I could ever want to know about Panama. And I think the first thing we want to talk about before we get into seven reasons is the importance of the Latin American market. I can say this before, since Demo educated me, I know some of this is two of the United States top 10 trading partners are Brazil and Mexico. So very heavy, very, very important to us. But there's like 30, 40 other countries down there that make up Latin America. And the interesting thing about it for the whole world is they're rapidly growing economies where the U.S. and a lot of Europe and even some of Asia is now mature markets. Latin America has still so much opportunity because they're, they're the growth. And they're hard to work with because it's not just it's not a big market that's all works the same. That's where Panama comes in. And so Panama, what Demos explained to me in the past is Panama understands how to work with those markets. And that's why Panama is so important to the growth of trade with Latin America. So, Demo, please elaborate a little bit. You know a lot more than I do about this. Well, you, you said it well. Uh, Latin America, it's a, um, a group of countries, over 30 countries yeah, in, this re- in this part of the world. Some economies are growing really fast. So um, this may be a region of over 600 million people. So uh, it's, a, it's a tremendous, uh, interesting market. But, you know, the difference between serving this region and, uh, let's say, a big country like the U.S., you have over 50 states, right? The difference is that every country has their own culture, have their own regulations, have their own consumer behaviors. So it's sometimes it's impossible or really hard for companies to penetrate those markets as a whole, right? So they need some help because you need to get in consideration that for the major of the country speak Spanish, but others speak English and others speak French. So that makes a little bit more complex doing business in this region. So what we have uh, specialized in is to enable those uh, our customer products to pass through those formal uh, barriers and, and non, non-tariff barriers, right? Going in from customs regulation, Ministry of Health regulations, other government regulations, and market regulations or conditions, right? Sometimes uh, a big retailer in a country just want to receive a product with some kind of uh, personalization with the names or a special label. And for a, a big company, putting this into the manufacturing plants is really impossible. You know, you, don't, you do ma- mass manufacturing and um, tailor or personalize those products for a, a small market uh, in this region is almost impossible. That's why we do here. Uh, we serve this customer, helping them to get that product and, and give that value as service to deliver to the end customer in the condition the market or this specific person is uh, expecting to receive it, right? Yep. So a little more about Panama. I mean, a little bit more about Latin America, then we'll get into a little bit about Panama. But when we look at the Latin America countries, again, we're talking the biggest, the biggest economies down there, Brazil, 
Mexico, Argentina, Colombia, yeah. Venezuela. It used to be. <laughs> I think they're smaller and smaller every day. Yeah. yeah. Peru's a big one, Chile, Puerto Rico, Ecuador, Cuba, and then all the Caribbean countries, which are like, what, 20 some countries down there. And to service all of those, as Demo has uh, stated, is really difficult. And in a lot of ways, maybe you didn't have to worry about servicing them because maybe you didn't have to work with them back in the day. But looking at some stats from Goldman Sachs, by 2050, the largest economies in the world will be China, United States, India, Brazil, and Mexico. So Brazil and Mexico are obviously big parts of Latin America. But again, connecting Brazil and Mexico to the United States, to China and India, that's just a Panama sweet spot. And obviously their continued relationship with Europe. So um, the Middle East, but so it's always been a diverse group of countries that were not easy to deliver to, not easy to service. But in, in some ways, it didn't matter as much. Now it really matters. So anything to add to that demo? Yep. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, you know, having the possibility of serve the other countries in the region, as you will mention, not probably not Mexico and Brazil, because those are huge markets that have the volume and the consumption enough to receive products from the manufacturing plants. But servicing the, all the regions, because... There are many other countries growing uh, really fast and having this sweet spot, as you, you said, is the key, right? And Panama is becoming more and more interesting, not only for, for the U.S., as you know, uh, uh, we have a, a very strong relation with the U.S. many, many years ago. But now we're seeing different interests, global interests, uh, geopolitical interests in this small piece of land. You know, M- Middle East, Dubai people, it's, um, we have recently a very important event here from the uh, Dubai Chamber of Commerce, right? Uh, for the first time, the Global Business Forum was done outside Dubai, was done here in Panama a month ago. You know, all investors and all the people from, from, from that part of the world coming into here, learning what is going on and, and where they can bring some investments to have a gateway for the region. Happens the same with China, that thinks that Panama will be their connection point to uh, expand the, uh, the one by one road strategy that that country has. So, you know, again, this small country is getting more and more interest from the global commerce because of its location. And we will going to deepen that later. But it's, uh, it's very important to understand why, why all that is happening. Yep. So tell us a little bit about where Panama is located and a little bit about the history, the yeah. currency, that kind of stuff. Give us a little. Yeah. Give us a primer. <laughs> well, look, Panama is strategically well located in the middle of the continent, the America's continent. And um, that was found many, many, many years ago when the Spanish colonies started to come and, and they, um, you know, discover uh, that there was another ocean, the Pacific Ocean. So they identify that they can cross the, uh, from the Atlantic side to the Pacific side in a shorter time. So uh, they identified that Panama was going to be their path to, to keep discovering new territories. And, and that's what actually what happens. So since that time, and we're talking about 500 years ago or more, Panama became that hub. All the, uh, all the resources that were uh, taken out of um, South America, mainly from Peru, Bolivia, Chile, were sent to Europe passed through Panama in that time. All the gold, all the, uh, those resources and the product that came from the, uh, from the West Indies at a time, you know, uh, across also Panama. Panama became a, a center for trading, 
and uh, interchange of goods, as well as a hub for uh, people, for goods. And the history became that, and moving really, really uh, fast forward, that interest started growing in a different way when the um, California Gold Rush started, right? At that time, they need to, the, uh, the, the people that were uh, taking the gold out, they need to send it to New York to be traded, right? So crossing the U.S. at the time was almost impossible due to the distance, due to the attacks they were receiving during the uh, trouble of that vast territory. So they found that the old Spanish uh, had this route through Panama. So they started sending ships to Panama City with the gold, and they were uh, using the old roads made by the Spanish with oak carts crossing half of the country and then put that gold into the um, in boats and then send it through a big river called the Chagres River and then to the Atlantic side and then keep uh, take another boat from Cologne City to New York. So all that happens and the mail also was sent it that way. And so possibly they identified that they need a faster way to move that gold. So um, back in 1850, 50-some, started the construction of uh, a railroad. So that was the first big project that this country had. So we had this transcontinental railroad where mainly all the gold that came from California, went to New York, and the money that came back from New York to California passed through this country, right? So, uh, and, and again, moving forward, then we had the, uh, the canal construction, right? It's a very, very long and very interesting story. All that happens uh, with the French project that failed, and then the Americans, how that happens. So it's a huge story to tell. Of course, we don't have time for that, but, but um, uh, if you have some time, I, I uh, encourage you to find out how we became this global hub. Yep. And Demo, if I could add something, I, I know I was supposed to be studying this in uh, school at one time, but I don't remember it very well. Until you, so I had to be trained when I started working with you. Prior to the Panama Canal, it, there was the railroad, there was the other ways to the roads that would take you. For, and the reason it was important is you used to have to, if you wanted to go by boat from California to New York, you had to go around South America. It was only when they created this other ways with first the railroad, first the roads, then the railroad, and then the Panama Canal that cut off how many hundreds of miles, thousands of miles that they had to travel. So it was a, it was a very important construction project. I think one of the largest engineering projects ever, which was the Panama Canal in, I think, 1904. So, and we should also add, when you think about where Panama is, there, but you're between, in Central America, between Costa Rica and Colombia. Colombia. Yeah. So beautiful, beautiful location. So since the, the United States had a, a large role in developing that Panama Canal, there's always been a U.S. presence now. And there's always been a Spanish presence, obviously. It's, it's really this one of the, the world's hubs. How many people live in Panama? Well, we are a, um, a four million people uh, country. This country has been built or growth uh, through immigration. So we, had a, we are a kind of a melting pot of uh, cultures and races from all over the world. You can find people, again, from Africa to Europe to Asia to, you know, we are really mixed kind of people here. That's why uh, make some interesting uh, culture facts that you, you may found that uh, we, we eat American, typical American food, but we also eat, you know, typical diet, a Chinese typical food, right? The first Chinese immigration came by 
the 80, 50, 55. So uh, there, there are families that have six, seven generations, uh, f- Chinese families, uh, as well as uh, people that came from India, uh, a lot of immigration from, from the Caribbean during the canal construction from Italy. You know, uh, but it's a very interesting country uh, from the culture perspective. Yeah, yeah I noticed you have uh, a Greek name. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, Demo, you speak uh, Spanish and English. Where did you learn to speak? Uh, what was your first language and where did you learn to speak English? Well, I started learning English at home. My father, he was an engineer trained in Louisiana. So uh, he started, since we were very small kids, teaching us words and pronunciation and all that. And, and that's why I, I uh, became an uh, English speaker. Uh, I'm still, you know, uh, getting better. Uh, I need a lot to practice. But that's why I, I became a, a listener and a reader in English as well as Spanish, of course. Yeah, your English is better than my Spanish demo. So, <laughs> okay. all right. So, so now we got a little background. Now let's get into the meat of today's topic. We know why Latin America is an important market for everybody. We know why uh, Panama's background a little bit. Now let's talk a little bit about what are the seven reasons that Panama is Latin America's supply chain capital. So, what's the first one, demo? Well, I think that the first one is connectivity in this. Supply chain world connectivity is one of those elements that you must have in order to serve your end customers. So um, Panama, first of all, with the with the Panama Canal, as you said before, that is the uh, we call the backbone of the uh, of the hub, right? Um, having all those ships from all over the world coming here on a daily basis, hundreds of ships coming into into Panamanian ports allows us to have a lot of services, a lot of options. And destinations by sea. Also, you know, uh, the main business uh, that this country has, beside the canal, of course, is transshipment. Panama is the today uh, uh, is the busiest port or uh, busiest city in uh, in transshipment world. So that is uh, done through the connectivity we have, not only on the uh, maritime side, but also on the air on the air side for passengers. And that connectivity became the uh, the first reason, I believe. Panama is, is this uh, supply chain country. Yeah, so when you say connectivity, normally people think connectivity, they think technology, you know, making sure we're connected to the internet, making sure I'm connected to other people. But what you're talking about is connectivity in a logistics sense. And you've educated me well, Demo, is Panama is a port with two oceans. Most most places that are port have one one ocean, one one way of connecting. You guys are the connectivity between the two oceans and the world. Yeah, yeah. And that's something very interesting. Why why we say uh, we are a port with two oceans. The main reason for that is the distance between both oceans. It's eight, uh, 50 miles between the Atlantic and the Pacific. Actually, I live uh, in the Pacific. I can see the Pacific Ocean from uh, my kitchen window. And uh, I can see the Atlantic Ocean from uh, my office window. And I come, I do that every day, every morning and, and, and going back. So uh, it's the same transit time that uh, a container had to spend coming into, uh, in, you know, crossing the country. And putting a container in the Balboa port, let's say, uh, and moving into Manzanillo port will take that same time. So it's very fast to do that, that transit. And interesting, you mentioned the, uh, the, the system connectivity. I, I, I should add that the most important fiber optic cables that interconnects the continent pass through Panama. Because again, having this 
very narrow part of land, these main cables cross uh, the country to take internet to South America, the Caribbean, and back and forward. So that's another element that we have here. So that our connectivity, to do our, uh, the speed of the uh, signals and internet is really, really fast due to that connections. Yeah. So it's interesting. You say you wake up and you can see the Pacific from your house and then you go to work and you see the Atlantic. That'd be as if you were living in, say, in Los Angeles and driving to New York every morning <laughs> and you could see both oceans. So there's, that's the, obviously some of the advantages of Panama. Yes. So connectivity being the, one of the very most important thing. And when you say connectivity, obviously there's the technology, but this is really connecting in a logistic sense. So what's the number two reason that Panama is the Latin American supply chain capital? Well, the number two, I think, of course, I said the canal, the ports we have here. Through this time, we have developed a really, really good and world-class port infrastructure. So uh, we are not only crossing ships, we're also serving those ships that they stop in one ocean or the other, depending on which shipping line they are using or uh, which, uh, which market they are serving. So we have a, a tremendous development on, on, on the port industry. Actually, as I said, the Cologne city is number one right now in Latin America in, in, in transshipment, in, in moving containers, and Panama City is number five in Latin America. So if you zoom these two volumes, we are moving all, over 7 million containers per year. So that's a lot of containers for a country of 4 million people, right? If you compare that through uh, markets as, as Brazil or Mexico that have uh, over 100 uh, million people living there. So that, that gives you an idea of how connected we are. So there is no other place where you can have that hot connection. So uh, location, of course, um, the link between the U.S. I just learned recently that 62% of the cargo that crossed the canal uh, comes and goes through the U.S. So uh, that gives you an idea why this uh, maritime infrastructure that we have in this in this country is so important. So I, that's the way I think is the number two reason to come. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So so it's the connectivity first, and then the location of the ports. And and these aren't just any ports; these are some of the most effective, efficient ports in the world. Some of the busiest ports in the world, right? Yeah, Would you tell yeah. me? But I think you told me that five percent of all trade worldwide travels through Panama every year. Yeah, at least. Uh, probably it's a little more, but, but at least 5% of the global commerce across this country. We'll get right back to the podcast in just a moment. If you sell transportation or logistics services, the Logistics of Logistics can help you sell more. Our customized program will help you understand your sales personality, including your strengths and blind spots, get more sales leads, and improve your communication and salesmanship. We can also position you as a recognized industry expert and help you reach your target audience. To learn more, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com. And now, back to the show. What's the number three reason Panama is the Latin America supply chain capital? Well, thinking into the consideration of these two elements that uh, we, we mentioned before, we need to land in probably the first area that companies typically see, and it's cost. If you consider, for example, it's typically you do Latin American distribution out of the U.S. Uh, because there are many companies that do that. You need to bring that container from Asia and you're going to hit Long Beach, L.A., for example, and then do all the transcontinental road by, by uh, uh, trade by road or train 
uh, going into Florida or to Texas and then coming into Latin America, that time that takes, you know, unloading the container in LA Long Beach with all the, uh, sometimes there are some issues there that take more than three to four to five days or more, depending on what part of the year is. And then taking the move it, the moving of that container is, you know, all that time and it's adding cost plus putting that product into a warehouse in the U.S. Those costs are probably to consider because in Panama, you don't have those costs, right? Being in a container from, from China, for example, uh, that will take you 22, 23 days. You know, taking out that container out of the port will take you less than 24 hours. Moving to the, uh, to the other ocean that will take you, let's say, worst case, two hours. And then putting that container in, the, uh, in another ship or putting it in a, in a warehouse, give some value at service, and then move that product out, take you less than the time that take you just pulling that container out of LA Long Beach. So if you add all that inventory carrying cost, time uh, is a lot of cost saving. And you need to take into consideration that, of course, uh, we are a small country, so that our economy is way different than the U.S., so our typical costs are less. So at least you will be uh, getting uh, 50% less cost than doing all that processing in the U.S. instead of doing it in Panama. And those are the biggest elements that now our customers are taking into consideration, right? Cost, upfront cost and hidden cost. Uh, you need to put all those together and then Panama will start first in your equation. Yep. So demo, if I was to look at you know, like the container I got from China, let's just say that a lot of goods start there that are going to be sold to Latin America, even through American companies. So I would have that come three weeks on the ocean, comes to Port of LA or, you know, somewhere on the West Coast. And then we take it by truck right now across country from, say, California to Florida. Obviously, a lot of time invested. What you're saying is stay on that boat, go uh, south down to uh, Central America, take it to Panama, and there's less, your labor costs are a lot, little cheaper. But on top of that, we haven't hit five days on the, on the road. We haven't had to worry about the long customs delays, potentially. You know, when we worked together a few years ago, Long Beach had a big strike. And I know you were very, you were talking a lot about that because you said, hey, you know, Panama is an alternative to that. But yeah, you could see where that all that extra time, it would be important and adds cost. So now that we have, we're in this environment where we're talking about tariffs, and now there's a new tariff, but the U.S.-Mexico, what impact does that have on costs? Wow, that's a lot. We have learned from our customers that will hit very, very hard in their business. You know, very soon we'll start growing into the extra 10% and then 50% and then 20%. In October will be 25%, depending on the product, right? So um, putting all that cost on top of your current cost will be, will be really, really damaged for, uh, for the business. So if you bring that product into Panama, you, you don't need to worry about those tariff problems and do that Latin American distribution out of here. Actually, we have heard from, uh, from some potential customers that are also looking to bring some elements into here and then do some manufacturing here and then re-export to some markets, especially with the latest news about Mexico. You know, uh, my colleagues and my customers are really, really with a big headache trying to find out new production plants in Asia, new ways to, to manufacture. But, you know, that won't happen that fast. So um, uh, thinking about in a place like Panama, which is uh, make all the sense. And of course, you will have that huge uh, cost saving. 
because of the first elements we mentioned before, and now with tariffs, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> the world changes, right? So, yeah, hopefully these this tariff mess gets all straightened out. Although that sounds like it's probably a positive for you down there, in Panama. So, what <laughs> what is the fourth reason that Panama is the uh, Latin America supply chain capital? Well, I think it's the uh, our economy. We are um, a growing economy. Um, this country has been in a good pace, growing economy, and that and that growth has allowed to develop the logistics infrastructure. As I mentioned, the ports, the logistics parks, the uh, of course the canal. Uh, you know, after the expanded uh, canal was starting operations, all those new incomes that the canal is receiving are you know are sent back to the country. So uh, we, we have growth this economy and, and make a very good business uh, area here. Yep. And if I could add something, Demo, I've learned uh, from our working with you and from a little bit of research we've done is of all the Latin American economies, Panama is the most competitive. So you're not going to go down uh, to Panama and see <laughs> a whole bunch of backward processes. They're using the same processes that we do to be lean. And so the, the expectations should be very high when you go down there because they are very competitive. I should also mention, because we didn't talk about it before, the official currency in Panama is the dollar. So you don't have any currency fluctuations. You don't have any of that exchange rates. And there's a ton of multinational companies down there. But 50-some uh, percent of the trade, or 50% of the Panama trade is with the U.S. So they have a, quite an, an experience in history with the United States companies. Yes, of course. You know, um, due to the uh, to the uh, to the canal construction and the operation for all those um, eighty something years, and also uh, the the military bases that come together with, with that enterprise, we have a huge presence here in the in the country, American presence. So uh, it's a very common for us in the whole country to see, you know, to have uh, U.S. people uh, around. There are a lot of Americans that lives here. And many people that used to work. For the uh, U.S. government, uh, both in the canal or the uh, the army, choose to to come back to retire here because of that. You know, uh, the economy. You know, the U.S. dollar has been our currency since 1904, so it's practically the only currency we know. Of course, we have one. It's called Balboa, but we don't have a paper Balboas, right? So just just coins. So our the only currency I know I have been uh, seeing since I born is, is the U.S. dollars. Uh, yeah. But that's fine. Yeah. We talked a little bit about the Panama Canal. So just if you and demo asked me to read a book, it was very interesting uh, about the founding of the canal. The country and the canal was founded at the same time in that it was probably the most and might still be the biggest infrastructure project in the history of the world. And it was funded by. JP Morgan. So it was, it, there was never enough money to make that happen in the world at that time. In 1904, there was not enough money in the world to make that project happen. And only JP Morgan was able to get it going. And that's what you had, you know, tens of thousands of millions of people mobilized to make this happen. And it's, it's an incredible story. If you ever get a chance, go Google it. So demo, what's next? Well, um, the, uh, the, I think the, uh, the special economic zones regime we have here, especially on the Atlantic side, uh, we have the Cologne Free Trade Zone. This is a, um, a, a area that was, uh, starting operations, uh, back in 1950. After the Second World War, the city of Cologne was, um, this is a poor city and the economy of the city was based on the military ships coming and bringing, you know, uh, 
business to the to the city. So after the war, the city became in a depression. So a group of entrepreneurs identified that a free zone could be a way to help the city economy to grow. So they found a uh, free zone regime that was in the state of Louisiana. So they went there, they pick up that law, they bring it into here, they just translate it into Spanish. They put it in place. The president of Panama at that time, Enrique Jimenez, was a part of that group. So they created this thing and put uh, in place and started working in 1950. And it's working till today in a very uh, good way. And actually the second is the, actually it's the biggest free trade zone in the Western Hemisphere here in Panama. Over 2,000 companies operating it. And of course, we have others in the Pacific side. We have a Panama Pacifico area, which is another, it's, it's a newer place, but it's, a, it's also used by a lot of U.S. multinationals. And now we have a very interesting project that is uh, in development now. It's a free zone inside of the airport. So it uh, will be a tremendous uh, project having a warehouse at the end of the runway, especially for cold chain, e-commerce, and origins uh, spare parts. So uh, we are really, really excited about this new project that will complement the special economic zone offer that Panama has. So that will be that element that makes this country so interesting. Yeah, for sure. So what's number six, Demo? Well, as we say, um, you know, we are a, a business-friendly country. As you mentioned before, the multinational regime that we have that started 10 years ago has bring over 150 global companies that had choose to install their uh, regional headquarters for Latin America here in Panama City, bring a lot of expats from all over the world. So that is a, it's a, it's a sample of how easy it is to do business here. The law firms, uh, as you mentioned, the, uh, the, uh, the currency of the dollar is easy to do business. We don't have issues with visa. So a lot of people from Latin America come, come here to do business instead of uh, before they went to the U.S., whatever. Now it's easier to come here in that having uh, these uh, global companies here. And also those global companies, not only do business here, but they, they attend Latin America. And we have a, another hub, which is called the, the hub of the Americas on the, on the Tacoma airport that, uh, with a local airline, Copa Airlines, we have flights that, uh, on a daily flights that connect from Toronto to Buenos Aires. We have 80, I don't know the number, I can keep the number of Gofa adding new cities in Latin America, but that is a very important element for business because you can move your executives all over the region and coming back and forth depending on the country. For example, sometimes I go to Colombia for a meeting in the morning and I'm home at night or to Costa Rica or to Puerto Rico because that connectivity helps us a lot to uh, create this business environment that you can have in a country like this. Yeah. And Demo, you always also tell me that uh, the resorts are nice and the hotels are nice when you invite me down. Oh, yeah. 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 Tourism probably is not a logistic reason, but man, trust me, it's a very nice place to visit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's good to know. I mean, if you're going to go down there, uh, it's interesting when we work in the winter, I'll come there. It's it's nice here now. So, um, yeah, a a number of years ago when uh, we were working together, my sister was living, uh, I think, in Brazil, and she said that overnight when there were some changes in Panama's laws, a whole bunch of people fr- who were expats in Latin America moved quickly to Panama. So there must have been some real advantages at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for example, for U.S. people, you know, you go to any Panamanian supermarket, you will find the same products you find in the U.S. So that makes it easier, you know, for living here. It's, it's uh, you know, the U.S. dollar um, 
and the world, you know, now we are so connected that doesn't make you feel you are in a very far from home. Yep. Good to know. Good to know. So what is number seven? You mentioned it at the beginning, one of the key points of doing regional distribution out of Panama is that we understand the market and we know what is going on. Or sometimes we don't know. And for the customer sell, you know, uh, this country XYZ have this problem. So we need to figure it out how to solve the problem. So we know how to solve, not the problem, but the, uh, the, uh, to cross that new stopper that will impact the, uh, the company to do business in a certain country. As I said, having this all different cultures, consumer behaviors, languages. So it's a, it's a different place to do business if you see it as a region. So uh, we understand that. We know that. And that's what makes Panama a very interesting place to do these uh, regional businesses. Yep. So uh, the way I always look at it is if you're in the United States, we're used to having distribution hubs. So I have a distribution hub maybe in the, the Midwest, one out west, maybe one down south. And I want my inventory close to my customer. And we usually don't have to do a lot of modification because we're all one market. What yeah. you're selling to is 30, 40 different markets, different languages, different governments, different requirements. So a lot of what you guys are doing down there, from what I understand, is you're taking it and putting it in the proper box, the proper packaging. If there's any sort of modification or you know customization required for a market, you guys are capable of doing it. Yeah, that's our business, Joe. That's what we do. You know, sometimes we need to create labels that require make the requirement of the countries. For example, we have a very nice uh, business case that we had uh, with, a, with a good friend of ours, our customers, that they were selling this new product uh, to a big retailer in South America. Was a was a, a backpack, a very expensive backpack. So they made this important sale of the new product. They launched it. So. Just the day before they sent us or they get the order to this patch, they learn that this retailer requires that each piece of backpacks had to be a, to have a label with the name of that company, that specific uh, retailer with some information that they require in Spanish. So this friend called me from Oliva, Kansas. Tell me, you know, demo, we got this huge problem. We closed that sale. We don't know what to do here. We are going to lose that sale. Say, so, you know, no problem. Just let me know what you, the customer is requiring. So they send us information. We create the label. We sue the label on each 2,000 pieces of backpacks. And we were able to ship out the order and make that sale possible. So this is the kind of things we do, right? Customers just tell us whatever uh, market conditions they found. If there's something we can do, then we do it. But the difference doing it here uh, or uh, doing it, let's say, in the manufacturing plant is, of course, you have the product here, a realized product that is not paying taxes while it's in the free zone. So you can react to the market. You can ship on demand, not to fill a market with a product. You don't know if you're going to sell it. You, you have it here in this safe environment that the product won't uh, lose any value. Uh, you won't pay any input taxes. And you have this regionalized inventory. And when a market reacts or put an order, then you ship. And at the moment you get the order, then you personalize the product. So the product is like vanilla flavor in here, right? And, and at the moment you get the order, then you put all the other flavors to make this product capable to be uh, settled on that. So um, we get all kind of uh, requirements from uh, getting a uh, 
special number on the charger of a laptop, for example, for a specific market. We need to record that number, and it's not on the information on the product, on the, uh, you know, on the electronic catalog. So we need to go to each piece and take that number and record it and put it into the uh, export uh, documents. So this is the kind of requirements we receive. And now with the personalization trend, we're now also serving, you know, some retailers uh, that are asking for a special bundle, right? Like, like a computer with a mouse, with a, I don't know, with a headphones or uh, something like a shoe with a, no, I don't know, a promotional material. So all these kind of uh, requirements that a market or a country or a specific customer is asking is something that you do in a distribution center as you do in the U.S., but the difference is that here you are sending in the product to a different country. Yeah, Demo, when we spoke offline a little bit while we were prepping, we were talking about, you know, the expectations by the consumers. You know, now here in the U.S. with Amazon and Jet and Walmart and all the other companies that people are making online purchases, we expect to see things on our front porch in a few days. In fact, I ordered something last week that I don't have yet. It's really annoying to me that it's taken a week. But the same services, consumers are the same down in Latin America. They're saying, I ordered this, I want it. So if we're going to have inventory close to the market, places like Panama are going to be increasingly important because, again, consumer expectations are are very high everywhere now. Well, yes, just to add on that, um, the future of Latin America international e-commerce is bright. We are seeing the markets growing and growing. The Amazon effect probably is not felt in the same way that is in the U.S. There is a lot of um, local e-commerce, but cross-border e-commerce is going to grow a lot. So uh, projects that I just mentioned before, you know, the new freeze on the airport, the actual service that we, we actually do a lot of e-commerce here, but it's growing. The consumer is super connected now, as well as it's in the U.S. or Europe or Asia. We all live through Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter. So every time a company uh, launches a product, we see the same content at the same time that everybody will see it. So, and we want it too, right? So uh, the capability of those companies to put that product in the hands of the end customer will make the difference. So uh, the, the logistics, uh, the, the, this um, very fast and efficient supply chain will make all the difference and a game changer from one country to the other. Uh, because, you know, now products are almost, you know, the same, but innovation. Another interesting thing, Joe, to mention, uh, we see it here very, very often, is that not all the products have the same reception in all the markets. Probably there is a shoe or there is a, I don't know, all the product that people in Ecuador loves it, but in Guatemala, they hate it, right? Again, I mentioned the culture differences, the, uh, you know, the, uh, but having that product in a safe market or in a safe place that you can just react right away to the order is, is very important to avoid having a landed product in a country where could be in, almost impossible to take it out that country and send it to the other. So yep. having that product in the middle of the continent with the capability of being shipped out very, very fast and reach the market in a very short term is a game changer. Absolutely. And I, it, Demo, there's, there's no way around it when there's a market of 600 million people and it's yep. growing faster because it's their less mature economies. That the opportunity is uh, limitless and they're going to need, you're going to need partners who understand the business down in Latin America, the culture, and, and again, the connectivity, the, the, the total package that we just talked about. So 
Yes. Yeah, well, you just gave us seven. So I'm going to review those. Then maybe we have uh, some final comments by you. So we talked about number one was connectivity. And when you say connectivity, you mean logistics connectivity. You guys are kind of a distribution hub down there in Panama. Yes. Number two, you've talked about ports and location. Obviously, where you guys are located in Central America, close access to all of the Latin America countries we talked about. Number three, we talked about costs and especially now tariffs to Panama is less expensive. And hopefully we're not trading too much of that because it's a super developed economy. It's the most competitive economy in Latin America, which is number four. Number five, we talked about special economic zones, free trade zones, very well developed down in Panama. Number six, we talked about being business friendly. And this is a great place for uh, Americans, uh, American companies to move, which is notice, I mean, there's hundreds of multinationals that have locations there. And also, I would say increasingly Asian companies and, and Middle Eastern companies are moving there, too. Yep. And, and last but not least, you guys are the Latin American DC. You are capable of and have the long history of, of working and customizing and s- supporting those Latin American countries. So, Demo, what do you got to say to wrap this up? Well, um, you, know, you know, the commerce, the world commerce is changing so fast. We, every day we found the new disruptions and all your audience that I know that are well-developed and trained supply chain experts, they need to, we need now to react to those changes in, a, in the faster way possible. I always like to quote a guy called Eric Pearson. He said, it's no longer the big uh, beating the small but the fast beating the slow, right? So uh, now we need to act, react really fast. And companies, sometimes do, they don't react so fast. And the ones that are doing faster reactions to these disruptions are the ones that are getting the businesses. And having on your global equation, a place like Panama will give you the chance to react to that, uh, to those disruptions that we see in everyday new technologies, and, you know, platform businesses going everywhere. So it's a lot of things happening now. So we need to be ready for those disruptions. Yeah, this has been very educational. Thank you, Demo. So before we go, tell us a little bit about what's going on down there at your company, Logistics Services Panama. Well, um, uh, here we, as I said, uh, we have these industries. Now we're seeing that the new path that we need to follow is to move more into light manufacturing, light assembly. We just uh, had, a, last year, we, we closed a partnership with Flex, former Flextronics. They are supporting us in the uh, development of uh, new capabilities. They are a manufacturing company, of course, but you know, to have these capabilities here to support, again, all that new business is coming as well. We also have a, uh, a very strategic partnership with DHL. More than 20 years ago, we had this partnership. So we are getting better every day. Our operational excellence team is here working. Uh, We're um, investing a lot in our teams and develop this consumer-centric uh, culture in 100% of our team here, delivering a, uh, the best service possible. You know, all of the customers compare our uh, KPIs with the other hubs they have in Singapore, in Rotterdam, in Jebalali, whatever. So uh, we know exactly the performance other hubs have. So, uh, and they show us, and this is the best way to understand how competitive we are. And, and let me tell you this, we are really, really good on those numbers. Sometimes we are on the top of those lists. So um, this is what is happening here. Just 
thinking, uh, getting prepared for growth, uh, supporting more companies in uh, the markets we are specialists in, in this area of, of the business. Uh, excellent, excellent. Well, Demo, thank you so much again for sharing all of what you know about Panama, which is quite a bit. Again, I think you're the very <laughs> best spokesman the country could ever have. So thank you very much for sharing all that. And thank all of you who listen to my podcast. Your continued support is very much appreciated. So uh, until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com. 